Boy, I, these guys are going to transition out behind me while I talk a little bit. But um, <laughs> I was talking to John as we're figuring out, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we going to meet? What's this going to look like? And we're praying through it and talking to people. Um, and I told John, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm excited about uh, Sunday and what's going to happen. And, and not, I'm not at all excited about us dealing with uh, this this virus, dealing with uh, the hurt that's out there and, and all of that. I'm not excited about that at all, but, but when we're in a situation where we have no control, when we're in a situation where, where we can't, um, we don't know what to do in ourselves, we have to look to God, there's that expectation that He's going to move and He's going to do something in it. Um, and so that makes me excited. And I knew that today, in our weakness, he would be strong. Today, uh, in the weakness of many churches across the country, he would show himself to be strong, his name to be great. And that's, that's why I'm excited about this morning. Thank you, guys. Um, I think this works. Joey, did we end up keeping that, that out of the shot, or do we have that in the shot? We can move that if we need to. Yes. We're good? A little bit. All right, we're good to go. Praise the Lord. The church has historically thrived and, and been noticed in times when there is a plague, when there are, when there are <laughs> I, I don't think there's been a pandemic in my lifetime. I think that's something... Um, that hasn't happened for some time, but in times like these, the church stands out because the church doesn't have to operate in fear. We operate in the hope of Jesus Christ that's in us. And so it's in times like these that what's shown is what we've been talking about in the book of Colossians, that we have Christ in us. And that's that's what we talked about last week is Christ in you. And this week we're just going to reverse that and talk about you in Christ. Christ in you is about all of the glory uh, of the hope of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the wisdom of God, the, the treasure, the riches of God instilled into us. That's Christ in you. And now we're going to talk about our response to that. Us walking and living this life out in Christ with every provision that he's given us in this life. We're starting here in chapter 2, continuing through the book of Colossians. In chapter 2 in verse 6, if you turn with me. By the way, if you, if you didn't get it on the Facebook channel, we did post uh, the notes for this morning um, with the fill-ins, and uh, hopefully you're able to get that if that's something that you want to follow along with. Um, look for it in, in the channel. Uh, if you go on Facebook to Facebook slash Hope Church Kyle, that'll get you the, the church's um, feed. All right, starting in verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. And in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. This morning, as we're we're opening up this section of Colossians that you inspired Paul to write to those in Colossae. God, we we recognize that it was your Holy Spirit that inspired him to write those things with the purpose that later, in 2020, your body, the church, would continue to read that letter and your Holy Spirit would continue to use those words to teach us and to exhort us and, and to encourage us and to show us what we need to walk in Christ. And God, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would bring these words alive, minister to our hearts, show us your truth, convict us, God, of what needs to change in our life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So it begins in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you received Him, walk in Him. As you put your faith in Him, walk in Him. How did we receive Him? We put our faith in Christ. We came to Christ not having anything to offer ourselves, but only His righteousness, only His forgiveness, only His atonement, only everything that He brought to save us out of sin, that's how we received Christ. So it says, as you received Christ, now walk in Him, live in Him the same way, by faith, trusting in Him. What does that look like? to walk in him in the same manner that we received him. It follows and says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Three things there. Rooted, built up, and established. And we're going to look at those three things this morning as as he speaks more into this exhortation to them to say, walk in the same way that you received Christ as you live out your life. Rooted in Him, built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. An empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. What's going on here is that, that Paul, having established already the, the glory of what they have in Christ, who Christ is, the image of the invisible God, the creator, the, the power of Christ, the wisdom of God, and the hope of God through Jesus Christ, and all of that, now he says, you have received Christ, and, and his instruction now is preparing them against what is false teaching. There's multiple flavors of false teaching that they're, that they're already running into, and he's preparing them to show them, you have everything you need in Christ. Everything you had when you received Christ is there now as you walk in him. And, and as these these outside influences now want to say, well, now when you live out your life, it needs to have this in it. The Gnostics. Gnosticism was there at that time. And, and one of the things, based on the wis- their own ideas, their own wisdom, they, their, their false thinking, they, they didn't believe that anything physical was good. Everything physical to them was evil. And, and out of that foundation of of thinking uh came all sorts of wrong and 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 wrong thinking and error they they didn't believe that jesus could have been fully god and man because what because man is is made of a material thing it's physical so they said well jesus couldn't have been both god and man so it just looked like he was a man and he's just really a spirit at the very foundation of the gospel they attacked even that, and, 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 and you had the Jews. They were saying, well, if you're going to worship the one true God, well, here, we know from the covenant with Abraham, we know from the law that was given to Moses, this is how you are to worship God. And so you need to do these things in order to worship God and not seeing that, no, everything that you have that you need is in Christ. And so he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, an empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. That first part in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive. That, in the Greek, that's a, for translators, that's been a difficult uh, piece to translate because if you, if you render it l- more literally, it would be, more, be careful lest someone shall be the one who takes you captive. Be careful lest someone shall be the one who takes you captive. And I think that's actually not a bad way to, to understand it is in the literal sense because what, what's behind the scenes there is the one who should be taking me captive is Christ. The one that, that I put my trust in is Christ. I am captivated by Christ. It is Christ who purchased me with his blood. It is Christ who saved me out of sin. It's Christ who, who I, I was a slave to sin and now I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a bondservant of Christ. I want to be captive my whole life, captive by Christ. And so he says, don't let someone be the one to take you captive. 
Just as you have put your faith in Christ, as, as you have received him, walk in him as opposed to anything else. That's what he's saying here. Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way when we receive him. There is one way when we live in him. There is no other way. So this first point that we have here is that when we are rooted, we are rooted in the only way. There is no other way except for Christ. Jesus Christ and him alone. What ways are you rooted in in your life? What foundations of belief? What foundations of thinking? What foundations of, of wisdom are you leaning on in your life? Is, is Christ the primary when you say, this is the way that I live my life out. This is the way that I am a good person. This is a way that I am a man or a woman, a father, a mother, a child. This is the way that I am who I am in this life. Is that way primarily and solely rooted in Christ? Or are there other things? Because when we come from life without Christ, we establish our own rootings into who we are, how I was brought up, the family that I was in, the community that I was in, uh, the, the accomplishments that I've made. W wh what is it that are those things that I'm rooted into in my life? When I came to Christ, none of that helped me. I could not be saved by any of that. I could only be saved in Christ. And so he says, as you received him, walk in him. Him being the one that we dig into deep. Our roots into Christ. Submitting to the wisdom of God, not my own wisdom. Submitting to God's word. Jesus' word. And not my own ideas. And be careful that, that when you think, no, I'm submitted to Christ, that it's not just your own idea of who Christ is. That's a, that's a mistake and that's a fallacy that, that we've fallen into, especially in, in these times. That, that we say, yes, I'm submitted to Christ, but that we don't open the Bible to, to figure out who Christ is. We just have this idea of who Christ is from those around us and not from His Word. Make sure that you're rooted in the true Christ. Maybe you're still learning about who he is. That's okay, so am I. What we're talking about here is my life lived out. I received him as my Lord and Savior, only understanding a little bit of the glory of who he was. Now to walk in him is to learn who he is, to pursue a relationship with him. And I don't know everything about my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord, he's an infinite God. He is God. So it says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit 
according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That he is speaking right into the face of Gnosticism. Those who would say, no, Christ wasn't really God and man. There is no clearer scripture than this one to say, no, God, the fullness of God, the whole fullness of God in Christ, the whole fullness of God, of of deity, dwells bodily, in body form, in human flesh, the whole fullness of God dwells. That, That was the miracle that God worked in joining finite humanity with an infinite God in the person of Jesus Christ so that we finite humans could have a relationship with an infinite God. That's important for us to know today. Just as important as those who stood against Gnosticism, we stand against other teachings, other things that would diminish who Christ is. And anytime we diminish who Christ is, we diminish the very hope that we're anchoring our life into, to something that is not true. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Not not only is, is Christ fully God, but Christ is in you. That's what we looked at last week. Christ is in you. The wisdom of God, the, the treasure and riches of God in you. The fullness of God in you, filling you up. Walk in him. And then he's going to address the issues that, that those who, the Jewish leaders would have been saying, well, if you're going to worship the one true God, then here's what you must do. Here is the way that you must go. It says, in him also, in Jesus, you were circumcised. What would have they have been told, telling the, the Colossians? You need to be circumcised. That, that was the sign of the covenant with Abraham. You must be circumcised. That was the old covenant. But something new has come in Jesus Christ. And, and it is a circumcision, but it's not made with human hands. That's what it says here. In him, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. It's a spiritual circumcision. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is the circumcision of those who put their faith in Christ? It's that old person, the old self, the one that was dead in sin. When we received Christ, there was a spiritual circumcision that is real, that God accomplished, that that the old person was put aside. As we see, continuing in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Spiritual baptism. This is, this is the circumcision of Christ that, that the old person who I was is counted dead with Christ, united with Christ in his death. That person has been put to death. And then that same power that raised Christ from the dead now gives me life. So in which you were also raised with him, I'm united with Christ in his resurrection through faith. Raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses 
And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's where we were before, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. The life that I have as I received Christ and now I'm walking in him in the same manner that I received him. I'm united with Christ in his life. It's our second point. I'm rooted in the only way I am built up in his life. His life in me. We see that also further in Colossians chapter 3. We'll cover this in another week, but we've got to look at it now. Chapter 3 and verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. We, we've been raised with him. The power that raised Christ from the dead is now in us. And, and where Christ is, seek, seek the things where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, that old person, the circumcision of Christ, that old life put aside and your life is hidden. Now your new life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, what is the new life that I have? It is Christ himself. It's the Spirit of God in me. There's a new life being built separate from the old life that was put to death. There is a, a new David born again. There's a new person. And just as I received Christ and, and that new life began as an infant in Christ, doesn't matter how old you are when you receive Christ, you become an infant and you begin a walk in Christ, and he begins something new, and, and what that something new is defined as is Christ himself. It's his life in me that he is building. Galatians 2.20 For I, the old person, have been crucified with Christ. I've, I'm united with him in his death. That old person has been put to death. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's his life. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It actually said the life I now live in the flesh. We do still deal with that old person. But that's not our identity. That's not who we are anymore. It's put to death with Christ. Who we are is defined in Jesus Christ. Joined with Christ. <laughs> My life is his life. I love the saying that, that became popular. I forget when it became popular. The saying was, what would Jesus do? People would wear the bracelet and say, what would Jesus do? It's a great question to ask. And, and certainly as we look back in Scripture, we can see and get to know what Jesus did, past tense, what, what, what he was doing back then. And, and we can start to answer that question, what would Jesus do in my life now? But see, what happens is, is the Spirit of God who inspired these words now lives in you. Christ lives in you. And as you read these things that Christ did, as you read the commands of Christ, as you read the words that Christ gave to the apostles to speak to us that contain his commands for us, 
The Spirit then applies those into our life to answer the question, not what did Jesus do or what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing right now? And that's the question that we are able to answer because we are in Christ, living Christ, His Holy Spirit living in us as we look at His Word and we understand the person of Christ in our own life now we can begin to answer the question, what is Jesus doing? What's he doing in my life? What's he doing around me? What is he doing through me? What is Jesus doing? What does it look like to live his life? A man in Christ knows what it is to be a man. Not by what the world defines a man to be. Not by the example of Adam in the garden who stood by passively as Eve took the fruit. He was right there with her. No, a a man in Christ knows how to be a man because Christ is in him, because he is in Christ. And, and, and he knows how to be a man who's not passive because, because he's in Christ who was not passive but actively worked to save a world lost in sin. Not standing by passively. He knows how to be a man willing to stand up and respond to the call of God because He is in Christ who stood up and responded to the call of his father to send him to become a human man, to put on flesh and to go to the cross for us. That's why a man in Christ knows how to be a man who responds to the call of God because he's in Christ. He knows how to lead by example because Jesus led by example. He knows how to be a man because he is in the God-man, Jesus Christ. He knows how to lay down his pride because he is in Christ who counted equality with God as nothing but humbled himself to go to the cross and to lay down his life in obedience to the Father. A woman in Christ knows how to be strong. See, today we celebrate the strength that's in a woman. But according to the word, world's definition of what that means. Not according to the strength that we see in Proverbs 31, where, where a woman is adorned with strength and dignity, not because of of this great thing that she has created and accomplished, but because she's a woman who fears the Lord. See, a woman in Christ has beauty and grace, not by the world's definition of conforming to what beauty and grace is, this objectifying of woman to say, "This this is what beauty is. But a woman in Christ has beauty and grace because Christ who created beauty, who is full of grace, lives in her, has filled her. She is in Christ, and that is why she has beauty 
and grace. She is a woman of peace because the God of peace resides in her. She has self-control because the Holy Spirit is controlling her actions. She has purity. Women, today, too many women feel like they don't have purity. But every woman in Christ has purity because Jesus Christ is in her and she is in Jesus Christ who is holy and his holiness becomes her holiness. The new person that Jesus Christ is creating in her. The old person has been put to death on the cross and the new person is being created in Christ, holy and pure. Let God speak to your heart. Children, I got my kids here this morning. Children, you, you are told in the Bible to obey your parents, to honor your father and mother, and, and those are the commands of Christ to you. But the reason why you are children who honor your father and mother and, and are obedient to your parents is because Jesus Christ, who is in you, was obedient to his father, honored his father. Oh, sorry, I got my son is up there. Christ who's in you gave you the example, and it's because he is in you that you are a child who's obedient and honors your parents. Husbands, why are you good husbands? Husbands, you're called in the Bible to lay down your life for your wife. You do that because Christ is in you and you are in Christ and he has filled you and it is Christ who laid down his life for his bride, the church. He's given the example and the reason why we are able to lay down our lives for our wives is because Christ laid down his life and he lives in us. Wives, in your role that God has given you, you are to be an example of the church. As your husband is an example of Christ loving the church, you are to be a, an example of the church submitting to Christ. That's his design and it's because Christ is in you and he has filled you that you're able to do that. In every aspect of our life, on the job, we serve those who are over us as we are serving Christ. Christ who made himself a servant of all. In the face of a pandemic, we don't operate in fear. Because we are in Christ, who is the creator, who created every microorganism, who created everything and controls all things, the sovereign God who calls us to a purpose. We, we can operate trusting him. Our faith is in him. And, and even if that means going into a place to love someone where I might be at risk, my faith is in Christ. And we're able to do that because Christ lives in us and he has filled us. 
We don't operate in fear. Where we came from is bondage. Slavery to sin. Ephesians, said we were, Ephesians chapter 2 says we we're dead in our trespasses and sin. But through faith in Christ now, the old has been put aside. Christ is creating a new person in us. You know, the enemy will try to still tell you you're still in that bondage. That who you are is still identified by the flesh, by the person who still is sinning, by the person who is still not fully controlled, by the person who, who is, not being, uh, is not the image of Christ. And that's who you are. And the, and the enemy will try to say, look, you are still under that control in that bondage. But what do we read here? Starting in verse... 13, I'm in the wrong page here. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And, and <laughs> you were dead in, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. This is only possible because of the forgiveness that we have in Christ when we received him. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us, our sin was a record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. The legal demand was that the wages of sin is death. We deserved death. We deserved eternal death. Death of the soul. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What does that mean? What was nailed to the cross? Jesus was nailed to the cross. 1 Corinthians, is it 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Or 2 Corinthians? He became sin who knew no sin. Jesus took my sin upon himself, and then as sin on my behalf, it was nailed to the cross. And he said, it's finished. The enemy would try to say, your identity is still in that old person. He'd say, no, that person was crucified with Christ. And Christ was nailed to the cross. That was my sin on him being nailed to the cross. And then what did he do? He disarmed, this is, these are spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over, triumphing over them in him. Every, every demon, Satan himself, who, who would come in and say, as an accuser, you don't deserve to be a Christian. You say, no, I don't deserve to be a Christian, but, but Christ paid for my sin on the cross. How can you call yourself a Christian? Because it's not by my own works. It's, it's only by the grace and love of Jesus Christ and the finished work that he did on the cross. Christ has disarmed rulers and authorities in heavenly places and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So when we live in Christ, we're living in the victory of Jesus Christ. 
living in Him and His victory. Back in, in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Rooted in Him, the only way. Built up in His life. My life in His life. What is the evidence now of being established in our faith? Of having that trust in Jesus Christ, walking in Christ just as we received Him. It's what comes after that. Established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And that's the final point here. We are established with thanksgiving. Honestly, the times that thanksgiving, that word has showed up in various letters of Paul, has seemed a little bit odd to me. Why that? When there was a lot of other things that could have been the word, could have been the attribute, could have been the thing, but, but just thanksgiving, standing by itself. And, and I tell you, whenever you run into something in the Bible and you say, well, that's odd, it doesn't mean that that thing's out of place. It means that my understanding is, un- is out of place. That's always how it is. The Bible is perfect. It's what the Holy Spirit put together. So what's such a big deal about Thanksgiving? With my kids, uh, oftentimes, when they're just having a bad day, um, for different reasons, sometimes they're just dealing with something difficult. Charlie, yesterday, uh, had a soccer tournament, and it was a difficult game. They made it to the finals, but that final game was very difficult. And, and it, was, it was weighing down on him really hard. How do I counsel my young son as, as, he's, as he's just dealing with this difficult thing and he's just feeling like everything's crummy, I don't want to be here, I, I didn't... What did God give me? He says, abound in thanksgiving. And so I counsel my son, be thankful. It's the grace of God towards us that would counsel us to be thankful. In Ephesians 5, this is one of the places where I, I saw this the, and, and I went, why is that the thing? Ephesians 5, uh, verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. There's a lot of other things I could have put as a counterbalance to that list. But, but instead of all of those things, let there be thanksgiving. That should be the life of one in Christ who's established in their faith. It's thanksgiving. See it again in Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
What's so special about Thanksgiving? If I am operating in fear, can I be thankful? No. It kills thankfulness. The, the fear overcomes that. If I'm, if I'm coveting what someone else has and, and I want to have what they have, that's an easy one. That's the opposite of thankfulness. There's, I'm not operating in thankfulness. If I'm indulging in, in the flesh, if, 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 I'm, if I'm indulging in whatever the appetite is that I struggle with and, and, I, and I'm indulging that, am I operating in thankfulness to God? No. If I'm, if I'm worried about tomorrow, am I operating in thankfulness? No. It's when I'm resting fully my faith in Jesus Christ. And, and more than anything else, I just see what he has accomplished in my life. Christ in me, filling me up. And those things that are in front of me, whether it's, whether it's coronavirus or it's, or it's what my family is going to do tomorrow or, or what my job is going to be or, or maybe just the, the effects right now, there's lots of fear, there's lots of worry, there's lots of concern. And, and in all of that, if, if I'm operating in fear and worry, I'm not resting, trusting God, the evidence of established faith is thanksgiving. And he doesn't say just be thankful. He says abound, overflow with thanksgiving. So church, we have an opportunity. As the world around us is is just clutched in worry and fear, we can rest in the peace and the provision of our Lord and Savior Jesus who lives in us. We are in Christ. We have nothing to fear. What's the worst that could happen to me? <laughs> you can't separate me from the love of God. You could take me from this life. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We talk about Jesus Opening doors. He does open doors in our life. But often following Christ is not about looking for where's the easy path and that's the door I'm supposed to go through. No, it's just, Jesus, what am I supposed to do? And being obedient to him and resting in thankfulness to everything that he, is, that he has given me, the fullness of who he is, filling me up to follow him even when I'm walking straight into a wall, knowing. Jesus is able to provide the way. Maybe that's visiting somebody who, who needs help. Maybe that's <laughs> when I, maybe you were able to, to find some milk on the shelf when all the milk, <laughs> the shelves are empty, whatever it is. In our, in our house, that's a catastrophe. We go through so much milk. Oh, there's no milk. Oh, no. But to still be thankful Maybe you're the one who got the milk and you know a family. Not us. We're, good. we're just fine. We found milk. You know a family that needs it or whatever it is. Our question is not how can, I, how can I protect my family as the primary goal. Yes, you need to protect your family. We need to do responsibly everything God has put in our power to do. 
But our chief concern is, Jesus, where do you want me to go? My life is in you. I'm walking in your way. And I can't always see how your way works out because it depended on the power of God at work. But when we're in that place, there's a promise that Jesus gave us himself. That if he is abiding in us, that's, that's him in us. That's what we covered last week. And we are abiding in him. That, that's us in him. Then what's the promise? His words abiding in us, he says, ask whatever you will. And he'll do it. That's me following his way right into a wall going, Lord, please remove the wall. Knowing that I'm just obeying God and, and my heart and my, my, my actions and everything that I want is in line with what the Spirit of God wants who's residing in me. And the power then in prayer to say, God, remove that wall. His incredibly power, his promises, he will answer that prayer. So let's walk just as we received him. Let's live our lives in him. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you for sending your son, the perfect example for every person, man, woman, and child, We have a Savior who loves us. God, the, the riches of your grace that you poured out into us to, to not only go to the cross for us and pay for our sin, but God, then to fill us up with yourself through the Holy Spirit, filling us up to overflowing, to be a people that can walk according to your way in power, the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. God, thank you for that. God, don't, uh, don't let us be taken in by the philosophies, by empty deceit, by those things that the world around us says, this is the way that you need to follow, but God, let us only be taken up, taken captive by you, and to walk according to your way, in your truth, in your power. God, work in our church. I'm just reminded, God, that this letter was not written to an individual. When it says you, it says you, Church of Colossae. When it says you, it says you, Hope Church. It is a plural. Us, together as a body, in Christ, walking according to the way of Christ, together as a body. God, I pray that you would work that in us that even as we're, we're separated uh, physically, God, you provided this way that we can be united in spirit together. God, I pray that you would use us together for your glory, even as the world is needing hope. You would work through Hope Church. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.